Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Jones of all ages, welcome to the main event of the evening. It's Talking Joe with Chief and Steve. Yo, yo! Yo, Joe! Hey, 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 it's me, Mr. Scalextric, Chieftain the Dog. How are you, sir? <laughs> Eight pairs rubbing nipples. You want to keep it going, That's buddy? This is S-Jubs. I'm in the house and there ain't no party like an S-Jubs party. For reals, brother. For reals. <laughs> Chief, what a week, buddy. I feel like we could fill this podcast without even mentioning G.I. Joe. <laughs> you feel me? Well, if you're suggesting that we start a new spin-off podcast uh, where me and you just shoot the shit for uh, for an hour, uh, I, part of me wants to say I'm up for it. Podcast Easily number six. done. Well, <laughs> with, with a specific focus on little race cars darting around a steel <laughs> track set into plastic grid. Honestly, Chief, you are... I've been flabbergasted with your updates. You have opened my eyes to the world of slot car racing. Okay, now I will just say this, that I am going to start flooding the general population's world with <laughs> this because there is a, a cheap plug number one, The Outer Timers, next episode comes out next week and that has a bit of a deep dive on Scalextric. Ah, uh, so it's research. When that comes out, I'll be posting a lot of the videos and pictures I've been sending you privately offline. So the world will see what I've been doing. They've been hearing us talk about it and me and Ben talk about it on the Out of Timers, but they'll see the evidence. And as mentioned previously, once I go down a hobbyist rabbit hole, I don't seem to find an end to that hole until I've... <laughs> Burrowed all the way through to the other side of the world. I've I've gone a bit mental and just found a hole in your you know. credit card. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. Let's not get into that. And I I don't want to steal your thunder about the uh, the scale electrics save for out of timers. But let me just say, for my own part, I had no idea how technical it could get. Right. The fact okay. that now in in the sort of the the age of tablets and and digital information, the fact that you can record your lap times, your fuel consumption, your tires, yeah. like what? It is so yeah. much more than just watching little cars go shh. Yeah, that's right. So fi- finally, this is this won't spoil the out of timers one, but finally, I had some track problems in that my track is large; it's about twenty-four meters, and cars were going round and around halfway around the track. They were losing power, juice. Um, mm. So still making it round, but not making it back to the finish, or making it back to the finish, but you'd have to increase the throttle. Now doing research online. And people were saying, with a track that size, you need to distribute power around it more consistently. Get yourself some power taps, which are effectively just wires, which you'll attach to a piece of track next to the power base. Run it under the track to, say, halfway round the track and attach those little couplings to another piece of track <laughs> to hopefully distribute power. Will it be like hitting one of those super boosts in Wipeout? And kind of just <laughs> suddenly you got this jolt of energy, I, your car lurches forward? I hope not. So anyway, I ordered those, nine quid, and wait, still, they haven't arrived. And then people were saying, do, do actual track maintenance. So make sure your rails are clean, make sure your connectors are pushed down. And I decided to take apart every single piece of track, 83 pieces of track, check out the connectors on each one, and then effectively connect four or five pieces of track at a time 
that's it to the power base run a car does it run perfect oh. yes in addition to everything else you have on your plate uh, yeah, yeah. and Tell being a husband it. and a dad chief you're you're out of control man i don't know how yeah. you do this and still get into bed at 9 30 yeah. p.m <laughs> well no that has started going later that started yeah. i've started going to 11 now um Ooh. but anyway uh, to close out this bit uh, attach another five pieces another five pieces and i got to about halfway round, and the car then started slowing down and so I had isolated this half piece of track, which was actually an old power base piece where you plug in your power pack, goes into that piece of track. And I had run out of half pieces, so I was just using this as a substitute half. It runs along that fine. But when I removed that and just put a corner piece straight on in place of it, the car ran fine. And then it kept hmm. building the track and went fine. Removing that single piece of track and shortening the, the track by just a half, although I had to take another half out around the end of the bend to make it match up. Then the car made it all the way round without any power drop at all. So I don't actually need these power taps which are coming because taking out that one funky piece of track has made the track perfect. And what that meant is, like you said, I can now hook up the app. There's a Scalextric Arc app, which is app race control, but it's, apparently it's not that good. There's a third-party one called Magic Arc app, which I downloaded. And this, like you say, you calibrate the car. So you put the car on the track. The car auto runs around the track, controlled by the app, which controls power going to the track. Oh, incredible. You set it to the lowest power so the car can make it round in one piece at its slowest speed. So you've got a little slide bar, and you're sliding this to maybe 20% power or 25%. And once the car can get round the whole lap at that speed, that is you lock in the calibration and the reason you need to do that is because when you do a race if you set it up to have crashes or oil spills or yellow flags when the yellow flag comes out to simulate there's been a crash and they're clearing debris away it retards your throttle a bit it retards your throttle mm. so everyone then goes at the same pace gotcha. until the wreckage is cleared and then you get a green you know they get the countdown and then the green light comes on and you're back to full throttle pace and then Oof. like you say you can have tire wear and you can have weather optional. So if you put weather at 100%, that means you're driving in dry conditions. And then guaranteed at some point during your race, you'll get a warning that the rain clouds are coming. And then suddenly your car is reduced performance because you've got the wrong tyres on. You then have to come into the pits, which is the start-finish straight. You stay in that start-finish straight for five seconds, which simulates your tyre change. And then you're back out at full speed again. We are still talking about slot car racing. This has not been <laughs> elevated to some kind of VR simulation of actual racing. No, this is incredible. Right. I think we're opening the eyes of anyone who, like me, was ignorant enough to just think, oh, you know, you're just holding down on an accelerator and watching yeah. your car zip, zip past. And let's, you know? let's not forget also that I haven't done slot racing for 25 years. And I, I went down the rabbit hole and I've done, you know, I've gone online, done research and I've bought lots of varying brands of cars. I've got the Skelextric car, but I've also got an MSC Metro and I've got a Carrera BMW and a Ninko BMW M3 arrived yesterday. And this has actually got an angle winder motor. So this means that the motor inside the car when you take the body off is actually at a diagonal angle with a pinion attaches to the crown gear on the axle directly at a like a 45 degree angle almost and for increased it's, performance it's, it's very weird for increased performance supposedly it is more efficient and re helps with stability but i've got some issues with that i need to get it into the the workshop because the pinion gear is a little bit not meshing with the crown gear properly i'm talking like i know what i'm doing i'm just literally spouting words that i've read off of a, a forum so <laughs> please don't take please don't take this as I, i'm an expert by any means but look what do you forward mean, if you're on a podcast of course you're the expert 
We're self-appointed, man. <laughs> you can trust us. We're from the internet. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to start recording lap times, get my spready out, obviously, and uh, see which car's fastest, which car has the best motor, etc. But there you go, yeah. The world of slot car racing, it's more exciting than, than you maybe thought. Incredible. I've had some new arrivals myself this past week. Very oh, exciting. Oh, I, I watched the video just prior to this. Very <laughs> exciting. Boy. I love it. So, yeah, explain to those who haven't seen it what it's about. Well, I I blame lockdown, man. I've been doing some shopping, and uh, my collection has always been in a very comfortable place. But out here in Australia, of course, I'm nine time zones away from it. So I've been buying things that I never really thought I liked, but now have found some love for and one of them is the gi joe havoc yeah which is a weird vehicle but you can't deny its appeal it does not make any practical sense whatsoever but <laughs> this is this is in the realm of just pure fun and and little concern with like actual vehicle survivability big old glass canopy up front the crew lie down and look at their instruments so they're not even getting the benefit of the great view it's got a gun chair which i don't know how it loads i don't know how it aims and i don't know how the guy riding it survives anything at all it looks like he'll be uh, you know thrown off it like um like a mechanical bull if it goes through some some heavy terrain and then it's got a rear-facing deployable scout craft I know this is not news to anyone listening to this, but like just listing the strange attributes of this vehicle, it's incredible that it all just fits into one tight little package. It's very fun. What do you think of the driver yeah. cross country? Uh, if I had any love for a good old Civil War <laughs> reenactment, he's very stylized, isn't he? He's very, you know, he's not like he's wearing dress greens or a particular style of. I don't know, military outfit. It's sure. it's a strange design for, I don't know, uh, probably not. No, the answer to his, short answer, no. I <laughs> potentially haven't had any love for him. But I don't know. The more I kind of look at him and observe it, it there's the quirkiness does kind of have some appeal, actually. Yeah, I suppose it's the boldest way to make the statement that you're from the South and you're proud of it. You know, you're not necessarily, like, uh, bitter about the way history turned out but you know in the boldest brightest way of painting him just like the dukes of hazard he rocks a confederate flag yeah um, it's controversial it's, maybe but maybe not in 1986 was maybe not like, in 1986 but like you say was it required no i don't think it was at all uh, just a, a bold choice if nothing more but yeah he does have a snappy hat <laughs> something we might get onto in yes. a bit Yes. But, um, Chief, you know, um, I, I, I think I have started something. I think I think I might be in a bit of trouble. Uh, oh, dear. Uh, the Streets of Rage thing has, has taken root. I have found it very difficult to wrestle my laptop away from Kim these days because she's had a couple of days off consecutively, and any opportunity we get, we go head-to-head or two-player cooperative to try and complete Streets of Rage 3. And I have determined... Apart from the fact that, like, she's obsessed and it's taking up more time than perhaps should have. The reason people are down on Streets of Rage 3 is because the European release is very difficult. In fact, unfairly so, because they wanted you to buy the game and not complete it, you know, after renting it for one night. Right. That's why. The Japanese version, which I have an emulation of, is far more inviting, far more playable, 
Yes. And it clothes your characters in their original skins. Right. For some reason, the European release changed that. Now, you did say something that worried me, and you kind of reiterated it there when you said, I can't wrestle the laptop away from Kim. So... We are playing on a television. I've hooked it up HDMI style, so don't worry, Chief. We, we live in large, man. No, I was just more concerned that you were playing an emulator rather than the actual console. Not everyone's flash with the <laughs> cash, bro. Well, look, I mean, Genesis or Mega Drive, if you will, that is an era of gaming that slipped me by, man. I was too okay. young to, to convince my parents to get uh, the 16 meg generation consoles. Now, I, now, I, I think how... maybe if I put my mind to it, maybe. But I mean, I, I think consoles were for big boys. With, yes. Now, uh, what, how are you controlling the characters money. then? What's your mode of control? I have a PlayStation Mini. It came with two controllers. I think it came with two controllers. Maybe my friend included a second one, so maybe it didn't come with two. And um, the config works out quite nicely. And PS1 controllers are, oh, oh dear, the gold standard in my eyes. Okay, no, no, that's fine. That's fine. Now that you've now that you've <laughs> reiterated or now that you've clarified that you're kind of playing it... Oh, so, wait a minute. You're playing it on the PlayStation Mini? No, okay. I've plugged my... PlayStation Mini controls into the laptop yes. using the USB uh, right. pins. Of course, uh, of course. The, the screen of the television set is in use, but letterboxed right. so that it's you know in the correct ratio. So uh, okay. the black borders on either side. Yes. Um, and what more is there to say, man? It, it, it's, it's a great option. No, that's fine. That's fine. I, I'm uh, sated. I'm pleased now. I'm, I'm back on board. Indeed. But uh, yeah, Kim's turned into a bit of a monster. Like the kind of language <laughs> that comes out of her mouth. Really? I have never heard her say these words before. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's delightful. It's very amusing. She doesn't like to lose. Well, it's not frustration. It's more like she enjoys oh, right. slapping, Take slapping that. the Take shit. That. Yeah. Take that, your mother yeah. jubber. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I'm the jubbernaut, bitch. <laughs> He's a crazy mother jubber. Yeah. Um, like that. Yes, yes. Uh, I thought when you started that, I thought you were going to say, Chief, I've got a problem. Because you were coming out of the toy section. I, I thought you were going to say, I'm now going to start to uh, have to start buying lots of toys to furnish the Australian pad and you were going to go down that toy buying rabbit hole in Australia and I thought well if I'm going down the Skeletrix <laughs> rabbit hole we'll probably meet in the Earth's core halfway <laughs> each indeed buddy oh man let the core beware I say um indeed listen, uh, well look it's early days I may well be uh, purchasing a few more toys I don't know man what's going to happen first the credit card's going to say access denied or um yeah. my, my appetite being sated I think yes. we're all right for now but okay, buddy okay. There's something else that needs sating, and that's my appetite for food. Damn diggity, I'm on board with that. Snack police. Potato chips, crisps, biscuits and candy, washing them down with a whiskey or a brandy, chewy sweets, cookies, built on jerky, snacks running fear because we got them at our mercy. We're snackers, attackers, bad mother truckers, and we're eating all the crackers, munchers, crunchers, knockout snacks like we're heavyweight punchers. Snack police are in there. His house. So, <laughs> I think I'm getting perhaps more mileage out of this than I should. But yes. it's a subtle difference this time. We ordered chili bites from our built-on guy. Now, these are, I think, what you were trying to describe in a previous episode. And I fobbed it off as druvos. But yeah. no, what your flatmate or housemate back in your digs was ordering, I think, were these. They were snap sticks. Yes. Which are... M- drier than biltong, 
but they are still made in the same process, you know, kind of brined with spices. And then because they're drier and have more of a snap to them, you can actually prepare... You don't have to air dry them. You can actually dehydrate them in either a dehydrator or in a oven on a low temperature Okay. Uh, in about four to six hours. Quite chewy, though. I mean, not chewy, but quite... Um, when you put the stick in your mouth and you try and bite off a chunk, you have to give it some force. You do, or, but yeah. what happens, the magic of your own saliva just reactivate the juices of the yeah. meat and, and it's, it's tasty. And what is unique about chili bites is obviously it's prepared, you know, you've either added Tabasco to the brine or you've seasoned it with chili flakes. So you get a bit of a zing with every mouthful. I don't know if it's going to be an audio um, experience, but here goes a stick now. Do it. Anybody get any of that? Oh, damn straight I got that, yeah. Good chewing. <laughs> Good mastication. <laughs> Excuse me? <laughs> Coming here with your English skills? <laughs> yeah, Chief. It's lovely. It's meaty. It's It keeps very well. And obviously the chilli edge just takes it up a whole nother level, baby. Yeah, good, good, very good. Um, we don't actually rate these snacks, do we? Uh, maybe we should start rating them out of 10. Mm, I think it's either a pass or, f- or fail grade for me. All right, yes, uh, yes, because okay, I'm, I'm, what are you saying? I'm very, bl- you know, there's no grey when it comes to snacks for me. It's like so, either garbage or it's like, yes, that is a snack right, so that I will revisit. Okay, fine, so I'm, I'm going to rate this one for you. You're giving it two thumbs up. Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. Uh, let's see what the chief has got. Let me just bend down here a second. Um, I, <laughs> no, nothing funky's going on there. Now, not really a snack, but it is my lunchtime in the UK right now. And what I have is, I had this yesterday as well. So nice I'm having it again. It is a sandwich, and it is a homemade spinach, pea, and quinoa patty. And basically, I looked in the cupboard, I thought, look, let's start using up some of this dried food, dried wares in the cupboard. Big bag of quinoa, what should I do? made some sweet treat. Oh, I could have had a sweet treat as well. Ah, I made some, these things called little Swedish hoovers, which are homemade marzipan, coloured green with spinach, and then quinoa and chocolate fillings. And you wrap that filling into a, put that into a log, wrap it in this green marzipan, then dip the ends in chocolate. Anyway, I digress. I don't have that. What I do have is this patty, and then I fried up a couple of strips of something called bacon, which is vegan bacon. And then I chopped up a little mini cucumber for a bit of crunch a big beef tomato as in i don't know if they're called like what, what would you call uh, like an oversized tomato in the uk we call them beef tomatoes i don't see them at the the local supermarket okay. coles does not get them sadly okay. well anyway them really really it's a really mongrel tomato man yeah so oh, yeah. some of them and then a homemade sauce which is part mayonnaise part ketchup part uh chopped up baby capers Put those in, um, get it in the sandwich. I've got to be careful. Well, I'm taking my life in my hands here. Not my life, but <laughs> my fingers are very sticky and sticky for the wrong reasons and not the reasons you're thinking of, but sticky because I tried making a loft hatch yesterday. Not a loft hatch, a loft covering because I have the big boy bean bag which covers the loft hatch when I'm in the loft to A, keep the noise down for downstairs and also keep the heat in upstairs and stop the cold draft going downstairs but where it's positioned is very close to the skelectric track and the beanbag is almost too big from a visibility point and also it kind of encroaches so i thought i need to build something that will just cover the loft hatch to allow me to do slot car racing without any impediments so i found some old uh, kitchen laminated floorboards in the loft which the previous owner had used for the kitchen cut them up and fashioned a a loft covering 
glued it with wood glue yesterday, went to put it on today and it just fell apart because the wood glue was clearly out of date and had expired and wasn't working. So now I put on this thing called Gorilla Glue, which expands, put all that on, got a load on my fingers and I cannot get this sticky glue off my fingers. Whatever I tried, you know, washing up liquid, soap, vinegar, everything, I've still got a tackiness to the pads of my fingers. And so now I'm going to hold this sandwich. I'll tell you what I'll do. Is it? I'll just use the other hand. Why didn't I think of that? Genius. Anyway, I'm picking up this sandwich. Sorry about that. Middle Ramble. Eastern rules. One hand go. for shaking and eating, one hand for wiping. Oh, man. That is... I'm going to say it. as one of the best sandwiches I've ever had. Hmm. Well, it's not no longer the, the snack police, it's the, the health police. Chief, hats <laughs> off to you, man. Always well, with the, the healthy option, when you do the cooking, at least. Well, I'm frying it, and it's got this bacon in it, so I don't know how healthy it is, but holy tortilla chips, that is good. Um, <laughs> Certainly healthier than bacon that is just saturated in salt, <laughs> brother. Eey. Right. Now, <laughs> it's time to move on to uh, talk about some comics. It's comic talk, it's comic talk, baby. Chief and Steve discussing like crazy. Larry Harmer riding these bad boys, making sense of the wackiest toys. Listen as we talk about story arcs, making noise louder than junkyard box. Talking about character motivations and all the various G.I. Joe fun locations. <laughs> do you want me to handle it while you eat? Oh, oh do you want to do the intro? No, you probably don't have it. Oh, dear. oh God. <laughs> oh, don't we talk covers first? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Okay, uh, issues 193 and 194 of IDW's G.I. Joe, A Real American Hero. Uh, we've got Larry Harmer writing and Sergio Carello on um, issue 193. Uh, then issue nine, 194, we switch it up and we get Gallant back into the art chores. Uh, I suppose I need to credit the, the inks, which are Brian Shearer's and Colors by Jay Brown. Wahoo. Letters by Neil Uyataki. <laughs> right. Uh, do I have Chief back yet? Because I'm cocking this up. Holy. Sandwich in the stomach. Feeling good. Excellent. Right. Good work. Um, Listen. Covers. Let's talk. 193. <laughs> yes. uh, empty mess hall. TV on. Couple of armed bad guys who have Robert Graves which we will we, is a name obviously familiar to the Joe fandom. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, quite a, a, a cover that would be easily overlooked, but a lot going on in this cover. I like it. Oh, yeah. The old term orgy of evidence comes to mind. It really tells yeah. a story just through the imagery. You know, there's there are no word balloons, but you can kind of tell what has just gone down. Um, isn't it interesting that G.I. Joe have their own news channel, it seems? G.I.J.T.V. <laughs> it's very cute. And in addition to their excellent branding is the fact that everything has The Pit written on it. It's like, if this yes. is a top secret base, who makes all their <laughs> merchandise? Because it's, it's on point, man. Every yeah. mug, The Pit. Every seat back, The Pit. But yes, yeah. the implication is clear. Everyone has cleared out in a big damn hurry i mean is it necessary to spill absolutely every liquid and food stuff <laughs> while you make your exit well yes i suppose if you've got high drama and stakes it yeah. is and this is a this is a good example where 
you know, Larry Harmer's pencils, a lot of the time, his retail incentive cover, you can say, is the definitive version. But here, it's only been improved on by Gallant. Really, really fleshed out that cover. Agreed. Yeah. 194, we have, looks like an aerial insertion. Well, it doesn't look like it is. Lady J and, uh, you know, a silhouetted blacked out figure who we don't know. Parachuting in, effectively. Now, a few things strike me as odd on this. Firstly, I mean, she hasn't lashed anything to her javelin. She's just kind of like, she's holding it, man. (laughs) I think the weapon is leashed to her. I don't know. I'm I'm trying to to follow this cord. Um, Her M16 or M4 is, is, she's got that on a kind of a, a strap, a leash. But yeah, man, when when jumping from high altitude, make sure, A, that you um, have your cleavage out <laughs> yep. and you're super hardcore. You don't need no oxygen. That's it. And especially carry that <laughs> that stick with a big pointy end, just loose, <laughs> you know, Jeez, just in case you buddy. want to fall on it. Yeah. Hey, look, at least she wasn't stupid enough to, to try and keep her, her hat on. But then yeah. again, maybe she, <laughs> maybe it was on and yes. she's lost it within seconds. But we might find out in the issue. Yes. More on that to come. There's a retailer incentive cover here by Jim Rugg, and it looks to be five Joes, all with their fists in the air, standing in front of, what's that, the Mobat, do you think? Yes, I do think. I think this is a, a rejigging of the end of the animated series intro sequence. Okay. They kind of, they pull out, and the whole team is kind of assembled, putting their fists in the air, and the big old American flag behind them and kind of a string of vehicles. I think the Mobat is in there. The, the Sky Strike is part of that lineup. It looks very much like it's pulled from animation. But of course, the, he had to resize the title and maybe rejig and cut out the, the characters and position them in front of the Mobat. So, so there's some, some work that's gone into it, but I think that is from... I'm going to go out on a limb and say um, the second miniseries because it's got Roadblock in there who wasn't around for the first miniseries and also the... S- Version 2 of Snake Eyes and Flint. All those characters were kind of not present and accounted for in the first yes. cartoon miniseries. Yeah. Anyway, enough about anyway, that. Let's crack on. Um, let's. let's open up. We need to do a recap, so I best we better say, last time on A Real American Hero. While Snake Eyes and Scarlet take a much-deserved vacation, other players begin making their move. Granny Arashikage sends Jinx and Pale Peony on a secret mission. Cobra begins to rally the troops, Destro prepares for the inevitable, and when an accident sends a service elevator throttling down in the pit, G.I. Joe discovers something under their desert facility. Mm-hmm. Um, just very quickly, I'm jumping off topic here. I What did I watch on YouTube today? And I said, oh, did you do all the voices? Um, Snakebite. Oh, Snakebite, yeah, yeah, it's a little stop motion. Yeah, I just, want, I just wanted to say, yeah, me doing that silly voice there. Um, I thought you did a fantastic job there, <laughs> voicing all that. So, Thanks, Pearl. There you go, go and check it out. As I say, my former career, I, I did tread the boards and <laughs> do funny voices from for a time. Uh, so it's fun. I mean, it was really, really nice that uh, he had produced this stop motion animation piece, but hadn't scripted it or done any, any of the voices. So I was like, right. I see where I can step in. How long did that take you, do you think? Oh, buddy, I can crack those out easy. When it comes <laughs> to... I used to do uh, dubbing for Bollywood films and TV series. Really? And let me tell you, pal, Indian TV has no ceiling. Like, the amount of content that Bollywood produces, we could dub that stuff till the day we die and make no dent in it. Like, <laughs> it's so... The, the idea, really, sadly, is quantity over quality 
Like it, it's it's like back to the '60s in terms of dubbing quality. Uh, I've done some work there that I'm not terribly proud of, but the idea right. is you just got to crank it out, man. Yeah. Soap opera. If there's an episode every day, <laughs> yeah. and they can talk, man. I wonder if there's any actual script where the director just walks onto the floor and he kind of briefs the actors. Okay, in this scene, you're gonna have an argument because you think your husband is being unfaithful, and yeah. go. Action. <laughs> and they just roll for like, yeah, okay, we need five minutes. Okay, boom, done. Next scene. Oh, yeah. crazy, man. Um, right, back to the real American hero. Yes, good episode. I think, I think good episode so far. I'm enjoying this one. Um, Oof, listen, We're all over the place, Chief. The, the, uh, this is the way it should be, man, organic. Um, mm-hmm. There's a couple of things going on here. Obviously, the main... The main crux of it is happening in Rio Lindo, but there's also stuff going on in the pit. And this is kind of touched upon the end of last time. And you mentioned this might be a bit of a long game, but it, the issue opens up with that, where the Maulers broken through a, a wall and they find some old tunnels that were built, you know, maybe 60 years ago or facilities. And kind of led me to a question of, do we ever know who actually built the, the modern day pit? Would it have been, wouldn't have been the Joes themselves? Could it have been contractors or i don't know i don't know how that would have been financed and and actually physically built who built the batmobile (laughs) yeah (laughs) you know these questions man like how do you do something super secret i think what is percolating in this long game that that harmer has just like pulled out of his ass (laughs) is the fact that the pit was a pre-existing facility for some other purpose yeah right so the joe's just they're just tenants man this isn't their house. Do you like the idea of there being a, or, or the possibility of there being a G.I. Joe payrolled workforce that we never see? They're just, you know, green shirts that are behind the scenes doing a lot of admin and, you know, physical labor and things like that. You know, plumbers, electricians, all that kind of thing. Do you like that? That they are part of the G.I. Joe team, but they're just obviously never seen or referenced or anything. Do you like to flesh that out or not? I like the idea that only actual card-carrying members, G.I. Joes, are G.I. Joe team members. You get what I'm saying? Like, G.I. Joe can have support staff, sure, but the guys barracked at the pit are Joes and Joes alone. I suppose it all comes down to how much secrecy you'd like your G.I. Joe unit to have. Like, it's gone from, like, super extreme secrecy in in some comic runs where i think at the beginning of the idw relaunch in fact like duke was effectively kia he was off the books and being offered a job by hawk it's like in order to become a joe you have to be dead (laughs) i'm not sure i agree with that level of like like cutting yourself off from the world I like I like three dimensionality to my soldiers, and I like the fact that Joes have lives. They have civilian lives. They t- take shore leave. You know, they're they're human beings. And GI Joe as an entity is not completely secret. It's like we know about GSG nine, the German counterterror unit. We know about MI six, MI five. We know about uh, what other examples are there? The SAS. Yes. Yeah. What do you think, Chief? Do you think that the support staff should be called Joes? I do agree with pretty much all you said there and i like the the uniqueness and the because all the joes i you know have been pulled from different facets of the military that makes them elite and the best of the best and yes. if there are um, a support staff of essential 
whether it be just baseline paramedics or um, welders or you know laborers or carpenters or whatever or people that are helping facility staff that are helping run, sailors that help you yeah, can't helping, run the USS flag yeah. with just the members of the GI Joe team Impossible. exactly so so yeah. whether they are not card carrying GI Joes but they are you know part of the fold so they've been drafted in maybe but they're that they haven't been, you know, like you say, given given the card, but they are definitely part of the team. I kind of like that route, yeah. I like the idea, for the most part, with, with a few notable exceptions maybe, that all proper Joes are first and foremost field operatives who have gone through that, that sort of hell week with Duke, that washout program, you know, yes. that, yeah. uh, that yeah. Lightfoot and Repeat and Budo, d- Budo did. Like, press-ups till you can't do press-ups no more. And like the last, the last people standing make it into the GI Joe team. Yeah, that yeah. sort of thing appeals to me. Yeah. And for the same reasons that you listed, I, I'm going to get controversial here and say I don't like the idea of green shirts or steel brigade. The idea of GI Joe having a cannon fodder is not something I enjoy because I don't think GI Joe is deployed like a conventional army. No, they're surgical strike specialists. They're not meant to be bullet stoppers. They're not meant to, you know, fight in pitched battles. They can assist. We don't really get much of that in the comics, though, do we? Do have there has there ever been has there been many issues where we've seen just faceless, nameless, you know, troops? No, I think Harmer's Harmer's steered clear of it. It was something that was more a, a case with uh, the Devil's Due run. They brought in right. the, the green shirt idea, um, and and GI Joe as a toy line always had the Steel Brigade, which was us. And sort of imprinting, you know, you could you could send away for a GI Joe that had your your own name and a code name of your choosing and specialties of your choosing. Right. You'd sort of fill out a little in- entry form, and they'd yeah. send you back a figure. Of course, they cool. didn't send it as far as South Africa. Sadly, <laughs> <laughs> that's probably why I don't like the Steel Brigade. I'm like, oh, yeah, I wasn't yeah. part of the club, man. Carrying on from here, so we've discovered this little potential secret from the pit, which. Duke possibly knows something about, but he's not telling at the moment. And down there, you've obviously got Clutch and Rock and Roll. And this bit I found a bit odd. You know, Clutch is saying here, wait, I was put through the brainwave scanner by Cobra way back when. His, his memory's coming back to him, obviously. Uh, mm-hmm. And they mess with my memories. Could could they have done that again? And then he's a, this is about to get really interesting. And this is a big story point if, if Clutch is remembering that he's come from Cobra and this needs to be fully investigated and then Airtight pops in and says, come on boys, let's go and get watch the TV. And it's just completely <laughs> squashed. And I'm like, this is not great storytelling because that stream, you, you either need to not have Clutch say that and it gets picked up in a following issue mm. or if you're going to have that panel, you've got to give me more, Larry. You've got to develop that because then the Joes look like absolute chumps because Clutch is telling them something really important and they're like, ah, Clutch, that old joker, we're not going to listen to you. We're going to go and watch the TV. Yeah, it seems like everything's kind of being put on ice. Uh, I mean, obviously Clutch is having this moment, but like the, the fact that Duke throws a big lid on the secret at the bottom of the pit as well, yeah. like a lot of threads that are exposed in this in these early pages of the issue or like disregarded. It's like no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah. We need to get to the action. Part of me is like okay with that. Yeah, sorry. Okay, okay. I'm going to differ with you on that. As, as the guys are getting ready to watch the TV, I just want to ask you a quick question here. It's the it's the page where Roadblock is top left and he's serving up something. I I can't really pronounce that. I don't know if you want to go. Uh, no reason. No reason we can't have a nice nosh while we watch our old buddy make good. 
anybody care for the saucis alamande cruz cruz i don't know don't know whatever that is um but what i actually wanted yeah what i actually wanted to say was there is our man cross country on the left gung-ho's on the right who's the guy in the middle ha oh dear by the way we've got a new jingle coming this will have come a bit later in the episode so but i I need this guy identified buddy i have not the foggiest okay if i was to jump in with a guess i'd say maybe sergeant savage like this is something else this is I don't know. This is the oddest off script. I, I wonder yeah. if Larry actually indicated who that character was meant to be, or if it, or if it was just like, I don't know. Draw, yeah. draw your pal. <laughs> um, I, I, I think I was. I don't know if I was a bit harsh on Sergio Carello on the last episode for, for his last issue's work, but I'm, I'm really digging this. The first half, uh, Gallant actually comes on for the back end of this issue. Yes, I noticed the switch. My goodness. But for the first half, I'm, I'm actually really digging, really digging the art here. It's a little bit of kind of rough and ready. But some of the angles and the, you know, the layouts, I'm, I'm really actually enjoying. Oh, yeah, man. The framing and the, the foreshortening. Like, when the, well, we'll get there, but when one of the terrorists is reaching out at the camera, almost. Yeah, I'm looking like, at And his now. hand is yeah. really busting out right into your face. And then all the panels with the Joes scrambling. Fantastic work. Jeez, very dramatic. The one following that guy with the hand coming to the camera where... The, the coffee cups kind of simulating the front cover of falling off the table, almost in slow yes. motion depicted, smashing, individually framed, you know, really good. And the reason, if you haven't read the issues, the reason why there's panic in the pit is because Grunt is over there uh, in Rio Lindo and he's helping to front up a project which is, uh, what's, what's the project actually doing? Helping local I think economy. it's hydroelectricity. That's Hydro it, yeah. and, and wind power, like clean energy, basically. Yes, yes. And there's a load of ambassadors kind of in a speaking engagement. And as it's all going down, there's also George Strawhacker's brother is there as well. And he will mm. play a part coming up later on. And suddenly we're engaged in a firefight. And it looks like terrorists have taken over this. They're at the airport, aren't they? They're at the... Um, the tower at the airport where this is taking place and yeah a big firefight you know breaks out and it's carnage i think this is uh is it at the airport or is that where they take them sorry yeah i think that's where they take them they're at the oh, american sorry. embassy in rio oh. gordo oh yeah that would make sense yes sorry yeah. <laughs> rio gordo which i think is that's fat river i think my, my spanish stretches as far as that <laughs> okay what was i saying rio lindo uh, you, I think Rio Lindo is the... Oh, maybe that's where they take them. Maybe this is in Rio they Gordo. Them. They take them to Rio Lindo in the next issue. Yes. Right. And these are it. cities, presumably, in Sierra Gordo. Fat yes. Mountain. Right. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Nice, Pearl. We know where we are. Amazing. <laughs> George Strawhacker. Yeah. Remind me, oh, ye who did the A-Ra reread more recently. George is Strawhacker. The- he was Snake Eyes' sister's fiance. yeah. Gotcha. And, and he, he was, was in the gulag. Correct. In... Yep. Oh, and he got, he got killed, didn't he? Did he? Did Snake Eyes not f- succeed in rescuing him? Oh, I think he got rescued, but then at a later date, I think he got killed when they returned. Oh, damn it. Everything that poor man touches, huh? Snake yeah. Eyes is a cursed character. Yeah. Um, but this guy's popped up. And he, in this issue, it gets a li- you get a little bit of an inkling in the next issue. But even in this one, there's rumblings that something's going on so the guys or the the crowd that grunt is with alongside giving his speech and salutations to etc some of them maybe have got ulterior motives and we don't know at this point whether straw hacker is 
is a good guy or not, but something there's something fishy going on with some of these people. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Fishy, too, that uh, the terrorists use laser spotters. I find that kind of... That's an old action trope, but it's something that tips off good old Robert Graves, a.k.a. the former grunt, yes. that, uh, that something's amiss. So he yeah. tackles the, the Marine to the ground instead of letting him get shot. Yeah. Yeah. And um, Or is it a Marine? And... We, well, that, that's where there's the other part of the story going on here is Pale Peony and Jinx. Now, last we saw them, they were getting a super uh, cryptic Matrix Morpheus-style message of from Granny Arashikage of, you need to do something to help stop something. Go and do it. And that was about all the information they got. So they well, made they their way. They found some leads, man. They, they, they seem to know what they're doing in yeah. spite of not knowing what they're doing. I don't know how they found it, but they went to Oliastan and started posing as slave workers and made it to the office of the boss who's running this factory and found a secret entrance in his in his office and this is actually a company that is a, a subsidiary of revanche technologies which we all know has a lot to do with the blue ninjas so as soon as you see that you're like uh oh here they come again and they discover in the the catacombs or the, the basement of his office some schematics and pale peony actually says here's the schematics um, what we were producing upstairs are components that mechanically duplicate the functions of the Blue Ninjas. And Jinx says, that's crazy, the Blue Ninjas are cyborgs, they start out as human beings. But then it turns out these schematics eliminate the human and other organic parts. What these are plans for is something totally machine. Mm-hmm. And then they are interrupted by some badass with a couple of belts of ammo around his chest. And um, he looks like he means business. Oh, yes. Some unique footwear, but I suppose we'll get onto that in a bit as well. Hey, you know, the way I kind of stitch these things together in my head, maybe this is what Demon Granny or Demon Auntie, I don't know, Grandmother Orochikage was on about. So the Orochikage clan taught the old master, the, the, the brother of, the older brother of the hard master and soft master. And he got interred in that Russian prison camp where he trained was it boris's granddad or was it his dad anyway boris's ancestor who then passed on a russia training to boris who then started dojos you know in russia and around the world boris trained sensei moscovina and she transitioned into being a well she didn't i suppose you couldn't call her a blue ninja but she certainly started the the transformation yeah so is this (laughs) A very long-winded way of the Orochikage closing the loop and tying off the fact that they have connections to the Blue Ninjas. Like, it's it's either they will defeat the Blue Ninja clan, or the other way around, the Blue Ninjas will in- eliminate the Orochikage. And Jinx wow. and Pale Peony have been sent to do that. Yes, yeah. Okay, yeah. that scans. Thank that sounds good, that sounds good. Um, there, <laughs> there is, there is a, a bit of a deep cut in here in the middle of the issue where... Um, the ambassadors and the delegates are about to give their speech and the guys are talking in the pit and they're talking about Grunt and I don't know who it is, Red Collar, uh, I'm not sure, but he says, that's where Grunt, he met Lola. Hey, Rip, when are you bailing out and getting hitched? And Ripcord says, sigh, there was only ever one girl for me. And that's it. And it moves on to the next panel and it's a small little uh, word balloon 
but it's, it's quite a deep cut because obviously Ripcord's talking about Candy, who he had the relationship with and she was killed by Scrap Iron's missile when he blew up the car that Soft Master was driving all those years ago. And for Larry to kind of drop that in didn't need to be in there, but I don't know, he's he's kind of evoking. I thought, oh, that's, you know, it, it got me a little bit. It's, it's a little nugget of, mm. of history from G.I. Joe. <laughs> the term that people throw around these days is member berries. Have you ever yeah. heard that? Yes. Because yeah. you, you remember. <laughs> ha ha. So it's targeted at the members. Um, yeah, I, I, the red collar looks like an original 13 kind of design. Right. I think there's a bit of like artistic flair. They had red knit collars, whatever. Yes. Uh, it could be Steeler, perhaps. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I sent you a commission. A friend of the show, Peter Seddon, had a commission done by Rod Wiggum. It was basically a montage of, of candy. And um, uh, hopefully he'll put that up on the social media posts to, you know, Indeed. tie into this issue. But, you know, no, I, I like that nice little touch by Larry. They didn't need to do that. Now, we, <laughs> once we get... you've had the bongo, the balloon bear, you, you can think of no other. Poor old record. He's still smitten. That's it. Now, the Joes, after they've seen all this go down live on the TV over in Sierra Gordo, they are furious. And obviously they want to mount a strike force to effectively help out their comrade in arms or ex-comrade in arms and we get some scenes here of all the joes piling together yo-joing oorahing etc and at the bottom of one of these pages there's a panel and i was struggling to name some of these joes so i think it might be time for a new segment roll that jingle here we go name the joes I said Steven's gotta name the Joes Is there a clue in the character pose? Maybe the outfit or the funky clothes? Do I spy a pair of pantyhose? Some facial hair or distinctive nose? Steven needs to ID the Joes Knock them over like dominoes Or Larry Hammer's polyphonic prose? Can S-Jub name the Joes? Name them! <laughs> oh, here we goes. Okay, well, oh, man. That's a great jingle, Chief. My <laughs> Thank word, you. Man. I don't have a page number, but if you're at home, it's the page after Pale Peony and Jinx have just discovered this masked marauder who's a whole page splash. Turn the page and there you'll see it. Bottom left, last panel, Duke's addressing a crowd. Now, I can name quite a few of these, but let, let's let you do it. Let's go. Uh, right, just, just na- name oh, them off. Can, I, can off. I fill in the blanks, Chief? <laughs> I so suppose we got to stick with the jingle, man. So, no, I can do the ones I know if you want me to. All right, all right. Well, I, I wanted my opening salvo to be the fact that um, I resent slightly the fact that Duke is uh, using a telephone that makes use of the movie G.I. Joe logo. That Where's he using the a telephone? Oh, at the top. Sorry, yes. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, but yeah. Uh, but that's, that's enough, enough snark from me. Uh, let's do the naming. Do so, we sh- should we start top left? Go on. No, you start. Um, all right. Uh, looks like Alpine. Very good. Okay. Next to him, I'd say... I don't know. So this is on you. Short fuse. Blonde okay, hair. Yes. The harness. Uh, I think he's got glasses. And classically, yes. you know, in the original 13, he wore specs. Okay. Right. Fine. Going on to here. Uh, Lifeline. Very good. Okay. Now, kind of on Lifeline's left shoulder. Uh, who's that? turquoisey blue shirt red lid red lid looks like a very red bell end of a helmet and that's some cockney (laughs) slang (laughs) 
<laughs> I mean, it's worse in the toy. But his name's Downtown. He's a mortar okay. soldier. Mm. Right, Which is okay. ironic because a lot of people thought, like, why not just make that uh, short fuse version too? But uh, right, he's, his, he's okay. his own character. Uh, next to him, you've got Bazooka. Correct. And then in front of Bazooka to the left, Leatherneck. Yeah, yeah. And then to the right, Cutter. Mm-hmm. Boston, baby. And then to the right of that, it looks like Tunnel Rat. Yep. Back from his mission. Uh, <laughs> in the previous back mission. Back from his mission. And then uh, kind of down and in front of Tunnel Rat, squared off. Uh, I was going to say Repeater, but I'm not sure. Chief, you are better at this than I think you give yourself credit. Okay. Yeah, damn right. straight. That looks like Repeater's harness. Slightly different uh, hair color, though. I, Repeater's a brunette. Yes, that's that's what kind of threw me. Next mm. to Repeater is that... Now, I don't know if this is the vehicle or his name. Armadillo? Chief, stop it. Yeah, mm. he's Armadillo. Confusing name because, of course, there is a mini tank called the Armadillo. But he came with the Rolling Thunder. Oh, yes, yes. Shit, oh, yeah, of course, of course. Um, in front of him is Spirit. Ha! Knife. I think that is Red Dog. Yes, yes, you're probably right. I think... Does he wear a number one on his jersey? No, you're, you're, it's, no, it's definitely not spirit now, now that I look at it, but again... He, he's a Samoan uh, barefoot place kicker. <laughs> and then go. he was Red banned from, from football because of unnecessary roughness. Ha <laughs> ha. Okay. He, he then All found right. his way into a unit that isn't quite G.I. Joe, but it's it's under Sergeant Slaughter. Uh, the Renegades. The Renegades, there you go. Yes, yes. Uh, and then to the left of him, don't know, you're going to have to help me out there. I think this quite possibly could be a slip. Uh, this is he doesn't have a line, so I think the the, the community didn't jump all over Harmer at this point. But it might be an artist error, and we'll forgive it because Sergio isn't long running artist with GI Joe. But I now, think that now, looks like uh, I'm cutting you off there. I think this is SL Gallant. I oh, it's Gallant. Sergio's last page was the last one. I think this is Gallant. Ah, uh, that would explain it. Yeah, uh, look, this is uh, I think this is Crankcase. The moustache, ah, the cable knit yes. jersey, the popped collar, the harness. If I'm incorrect, please let me know, listeners. Why is that a slip then? Is Crankcase dead? Yeah, he is dead, isn't he? Gunned down, man. Saw Viper him. Or, or yeah, he died course, off panel. Course. I can never remember who was killed in what fashion. But right. yeah, Crankcase bit it okay. back in um, Trucial Abysmia. Right, I'm jumping back up to Bazooka, directly above Bazooka. Looks like you've got low light. Mm-hmm. To the left of low light, all you've got is a pair of trousers and looks like a a silvery white glove no idea it's difficult to say because there's a lot of neon green popping up but if this was the only neon green in that picture would that change your answer slightly chief neon green think laser trooper you're oh sci-fi very good yeah yeah but once again there's so much neon green that like it could just be a joe in green yeah okay uh to low lights right nope don't know oh well i Dogfight is a pilot. Ah, maybe. Very analogous look to Wild Bill. Like, mirror shades, moustache. He has, like, an old-school World War II um, captain hat. Right, yes. But he's not wearing the hat in the picture, so... No. I'm going to go with Dogfight. All right, uh, to his right, Beachhead. Mm Mm-hmm. And then in between those two, very difficult. Looks like it's just a forearm with a, a kind of khaki colored jacket next to impossible chief i i wouldn't hang yourself for that man could just be generic totally okay totally just give me just give me a name then just tell tell me anyone who it could be 
Oh, uh, oh gosh. Uh, rolled up sleeves. Duke's already off the table. Shit. <laughs> uh, Ricondo hasn't been accounted for, and Ricondo has there made some Rick- appearances, so I'm going to go with Ricondo. There you go, that's Ricondo. And then next to Beachhead, but slightly lower with the shades on, I don't know. Recoil. Recoil, okay. I'm going to go with Recoil. Just the way... Those are actually magazines on the figure, those those green blotches. Right. Uh, they're not detailed enough on this artwork to say, but brown gloves, shades, yeah, recoil. Okay, and then above recoil there, you've got the kind of lighter green trousers. You've got what looks like some sort of flak jacket in green, black gloves, no idea. I should recognize that pattern on his thigh. I've seen it before. Okay but I can't place it, so I'm also drawing a blank there, Chief. Look, I didn't want to do any kind of prep or research for this. I wanted to to give it a fair sporting chance. So once again, if anyone wants to do the the legwork, I'd be very, very intrigued. We will definitely be putting this panel up on the socials. You bet, you bet. And um, the the jingle was partially accurate. I devised it to (laughs) let you guess, but I think I had a bit of a go, but you filled in the blanks for me, so... There you go. If you haven't got this issue to hand, that last five minutes might not mean much to you. But once the panel goes up, it will. So you'll be okay. Something else I want to include on the socials. Uh, so <laughs> Ricondo cracks a joke about salted nuts way back on, I think, page nine. It kind of falls yeah. flat because, well, Lady J is offering everyone salted nuts. And she says, these enough salted nuts for you boys. And Ricondo's like, I'd make a snappy reply to that, but there's a lady present. And Zap says, zing! I want the listeners to insert their favorite line, <laughs> their, their best response to what Lady J uh, set up in that panel. What, so what, what was Ricondo's line going to be if a lady wasn't present? Care to take a crack, Chief? <laughs> no, no, I do not. <laughs> okay, done. Um... Listen, I I had a bit of an issue here with all the Joes getting super amped and pumped to go on this mission, which may or may not happen, because they got to get past the jugglers for the first instance. But I don't know, something just didn't seem right in that, why don't they mount this kind of similar zeal and enthusiasm for just a regular hostage or hijacking? Yes, okay, Grunt is involved, but they should be showing the same enthusiasm for any any situation where they could get involved. Yeah, it's a little too dramatic. I mean, the Joes surely know standard procedures. Like, they can't go into a foreign country, no matter who of their buddies is in there, without the green light. And this is a massive mobilization. This isn't Ripcord taking the law into his own hands and, and parachuting over Cobra Island, going solo, going rogue. This is like a, this is like a mutiny almost. The Joes are like, yeah. we're going to do this mission. To hell with the chain of command. And it, like, who is it that steps out in front and like is addressing them? Is it Ricondo? There's a, a mobile command center in the background and a desert fox. And like, That's it. when you are kind of all fired up like that, who dictates who the, the commanding officer is? Because as we know, in G.I. Joe, your actual pay grade rank doesn't necessarily mean you're calling the shots on the mission. No, so in this no. instance, when everyone's like fired up, how do they, do they draw straws? It's like, um, um, <laughs> we're all of equal command position at this point. Let's, you know, how do we work this out? If they're watching that TV and Grunt wasn't there as part of that delegate, how would the response have differed? Would they have just said, oh, I hope someone sorts this out? Or would they have mounted, you know, a similar roll call of equipment and people? Yeah. I don't know. 
It's just happened very um, organically. They are they they're a little bit less than a professional military unit at this point. I'm yeah, afraid. Definitely, most definitely, mm. most definitely. Um, I do want to now jump forward to the next issue because on the first page, I know you're happy. There's a load of guys in green, but there's one guy in blue. Actually, no, sorry, there's two guys in blue. One's got a parrot, but the guy I want to talk about in blue is your pal, Shockwave. You bet, baby. Before we talk about my favourite boy in blue, how amazing was the cosmetic surgery on Lieutenant Falcon's face? (laughs) Oh, yeah, because we saw him being (laughs) stitched or stitching his own face, wasn't he? There you go. In the second to last panel, he's he's, he's barking orders again. He's talking fine. (laughs) That's it. (laughs) He should have an entrance wound and an exit wound in that face. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well. Uh, maybe he's wearing a rubber mask. Borrowed one off Snake Eyes. And the very next panel, you do see Dogfight. That's him with that captain's hat. Right, yes. The glasses, yep. the handlebar moustache. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, got it. Yeah, but listen, I watched your unboxing video of the Havoc uh, and a few other things, and you pulled out a shockwave, your old shockwave, and he is loosey-goosey on them joints. Well, that just goes to show, ladies and gentlemen, that's how you put some mileage on your toy. Can you truly yeah. say that it's your favorite figure of all time if it's not loose, a little bit faded? You know, my shockwave, you can't quite tell if he's blue or green because he's kind of halfway in between. <laughs> <laughs> nice. But that's my boy, and I cannot bear the thought of getting another. Fair. There's something more inviting about a toy that has been, been played with and played with by yourself. Every bit of paint wear, every chip, every loose joint tells a story, man. Yeah. Yeah. And I wouldn't pick up another shockwave, to be honest. No, no. In terms of his comic appearances, he, where he was introduced in the comic, I think, was it during the, the drug storyline, the triple threat one, where you had the ninjas in Transcarpathia, you had... Ah, the, you're thinking of his version two then. That was the DEF era. But shockwave oh, shit. in his 88 yeah, costume... I think he he had a few run-ins in special missions. I think it was the he did. the thirtieth anniversary of GI Joe, tw- or the thirty-fifth anniversary of GI Joe twelve inch. That raid on the uh, what building is it? Uh, uh, the Chrysler building. The Chrysler building. Yes. Yes. Oh, with, yes. With yes, Joe yes, and yes. Jane, um, I think he had his debut there. Kind of. It was yes, like you're a quite right. An urban setting, so it really made sense for him to be tip of the spear yeah. on that mission. And there was that one with the, like you say, the special missions where there's a house yes. and there's some people with hostages, and it's uh, a mistaken identity case of who the actual terrorist is and who the hostage is. Yeah, great um, cover, man. Oh man, if you're a shockwave fan, that's that's your <laughs> yeah. your crowning glory, I guess. He hasn't had necessarily much fleshing out the character, but here he gets one line of dialogue, and it actually, or a couple, but in that first panel, and it tells you a lot about the character because uh, is that Daltone who says, You double check your gear shockwave? And he just says, I always triple check Daltone. And that tells you a lot about the guy. He's a pro, but I fear the balaclava has placed him in the beachhead camp. Most definitely. I think Larry paints them with the same brush. You know, they're sticklers for detail. There should be more strings to Shockwave's bow, but he's never gotten an ounce of actual personality. No. Uh, but I mean, no. how do you put you know how do you put a character onto a guy who walks around in a balaclava? Yeah, I don't think yeah, we've seen difficult. him unmasked in the comic book. No, no. Um, oh no, wait, we probably also... have the DEF version, of course. Yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. We also learned these guys are in transit now. They've been given the all clear, and we get a communique from the terrorists and 
it's not great because it's almost i don't want to say there's a worse kind of terrorist because i'm not sure what the worst kind is but these guys say uh we have no demands and no hostages will be ransomed and that is it so effectively they're just going to say we're going to start killing these people live on tv kind of makes you wonder why they why they waited so long they had the cameras yeah. pointed at them at the uh at yeah. the embassy and how do you deal with that i mean i don't know you just well, there's, if there's no one to reason with... You just go in guns blazing, man. But that's what gives them the uh, the green lights by the end of the issue, is that the, the fact that these terrorists, you know, th- there's, there's nothing to be lost by not going in with the best team capable. Right, so yeah, so sorry, they're flying in, not with the green light, you're right, but to be a ready, effectively, to engage if necessary. And then at a later date, I think, is it more information comes to light and then the jugglers say, do it and go, go for it. Yeah, when they see the, the pistol whipping, you know, it, it kind of That's it. tells them that these terrorists aren't, they aren't interested in making demands. They aren't interested in drawing this out. Like, our guys are going to get killed and the president is going to get killed. The president of Rio Linda, her yes. life is in jeopardy. If you've got a team ready to go, it's time. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Having all the aircraft in a splash page like we see on page three only works in comic book splash pages because (laughs) varying types of aircraft with varying performances, top speeds and ceilings will not fly in formation ever unless it's like an air show. (laughs) Because of course you're only going as fast as your slowest bird and that's definitely the tomahawk. Uh, yeah. And and, and with, lowest with bird, they, I mean, it's it's got its doors open. They can't be flying above ten thousand feet without a pressurized no. aircraft. Would there be all different kinds of jet wash as well? I wonder. I don't know. Well, you definitely don't want to get um, uh, anywhere near the C one thirty. Yeah, there would be sort of, and and, and similarly, the hair cl- helicopter would would create downwash with its blades. But yeah, look, it's a nice looking picture, and it's great to see the bloody tiger rat. I mean, that's yeah, that's a, a pretty obscure piece of GI Joe hardware. But yeah, yeah, no, I don't know what's going on, man. <laughs> it makes um, no aviation sense. Yeah, Larry's put in a couple of what could be last page teasers in in the middle of the issue. So you've got Grunt there, the camera's on him, and he's doing Morse code with his eyelids. And he's a cool customer, hey? Damn. <laughs> yeah. To concentrate on having that much swagger for the cameras, I mean, he's grinning, grinning through his injuries, and yet yeah. with his good eye, he's blinking out some letters in Morse. Yep. And then the, what Dalton determines is he only got out six letters. It's R-L-X-S-S-E. And that's it. Then it cuts to Pale Peony and Jinx. So you're kind of left on a cliffhanger. And that could easily be the end of an issue. And that is actually revealed later on in the issue anyway, what that means. But turn the page and you also get one of these teasers from Pale Peony and Jinx. They've been attacked down in the, the bunker or the basement where they were discovered by that guy and they pull his face mask off and jinx says when she pulls it off well ain't that a kick in the face we have to report this asap and you don't see what they're seeing turn the page and it cuts back to the pentagon so you've got two teasers which both could have been end of issue reveals but or end of issue teasers but they both those things do get solved i kind of like dropping those things in the middle of the issue oh yeah Definitely, man. And it's nice that they do resolve within the issue. You know? Yes, yeah. In the previous issue, we had those problematic story elements of like, oh, we've discovered something in the pit. Never mind about that. We've got something else to do. Oh, Clutch has got an interesting story. Never mind about that. We've got something else to do. But here we have conclusion, a little bit of closure. Yes, yeah. Mm. And um, the, the letters that Grunt or Robert Graves was blinking out happened to be the Rio Lindo International Airport designation. 
or RLX is the designation for the Rio Lindo airport. And uh, Roadblock gives us another, we, you know, Larry's been dropping these a lot. You know, we had the reference to Candy in the previous issue. And here Roadblock says, Grunt was in the Alpha team drop that did the halo jump to secure that airfield along with Scarlet and Doc when the Joes deployed down there. They rescued Snake Eyes when he was down there with Quinn and Dr. Venom. And I mean, what issues was that? That was... 13. Yeah, yeah, there you go. I think Last Plane from Rio Lindo was the name of the issue. And uh, this is amazing recollection from a man who wasn't even part of the G.I. Joe team back then. <laughs> he read a lot of dossiers and reports. I uh, Yeah, he must have. Very detailed. Uh, look, I don't blame Larry for, for not at least having the impression that Roadblock was a part of the team by then. But no, Roadblock only came on in the, like chimney sweepers come to dust. Which is the yes. issue that follows the kind of conclusion of that first first season of G.I. Joe, if you will. Yeah. Well, yeah. maybe he was, the, but maybe, you know, as he came on board. He did his research. Or the team was just telling him about their last mission or, you know, things like that. And he wanted No to... prize to the chief. Of course, <laughs> like, sure, Roadblock might have the backstory, but Rock and Roll is sitting right there and he was actually on the mission. Yeah. <laughs> So, but I mean, whatever, potato, potato. Um, we got the information we needed. More deep cuts and nice nostalgia drops here. Member berries, as you said, because we get to see Doc, not only referenced in text, where they say, good old Doc, he was always there for us, patched us up so many times, still had, hard to believe he's gone. And then you get a blurry kind of vision that Gr- Grunt is having. And, you know, he sees Doc in a, you know, kind of, remembrance piece interesting as well, technique nice. but yeah it does bring us on page and being a member that i am and, and i'm sure you are too there's something very rewarding about having callback that far that's yeah, fantastic definitely. most definitely most mm. definitely um this is the bit where i got not confused but it cuts to a hotel in downtown rio lindo and there's some guys talking we don't know on this first page who they are, but one of them saying, I'm telling you, Fitz, this situation is a Class A cluster foul-up. And they're They got name-dropped about... in the previous issue. They were right. the, uh, the, the the Chinese fella who is interested in, in herbal exports from Rio Lindo, the, right, yes. the Russian guy who's interested in the oil pipeline, um, and they're all kind of with Haydn Strawhacker, who's yes. and, perhaps the and... CIA man pulling the strings yes well my assumption here was and again i've read this but can't remember i hate to bore people by telling them (laughs) that every single episode but i was i was assuming that they were some kind of conglomerate or something like that that was against this this hydroelectric plant and they were doing what they could to sabotage it and maybe even let the terrorists know that this was happening or gave them access or something like that but i don't know if that's how it's going to play out but seems to me like they are in some way implicated we don't know to what degree we don't know if the, the terrorists are on their leash or payroll, but they all stand to gain by having President Velez uh, taken yes. out and this clean energy plan put to a halt. Yeah, yeah. i tell you a page I really like. Fast forward a few pages. And you've got Mainframe and who's that next to him? Is that Falcon? Yeah, yeah. Falcon. <laughs> Once um, again, man, no bandages on Falcon. He's looking healing factor. <laughs> and... I really like that. I really like that kind of um, radar hollow screen. And, oh, so good! You know, third pa- the third panel down just looks really, really cool. It's you know not not eligible at all, but it looks really good. 
legible. What did I say? Yeah, looks like looks like they might have made use of a, a real screen grab from a yes. A, a, what's it called? Ah, oh, jeez, air, tra- air traffic control ATC. That's it. Yeah, that looks like looks like that's what it would be. Yeah, I went for a job as an air traffic controller once. Did I tell you that? No. Stressful. Um, it was. It's about six. There were six different stages, starting from applying online and then doing an initial online test, then going to a location to do written tests, then going to the headquarters to do simulation tests, then going back to do interviews. I got all the way to the last stage, but um, did not get through that last stage. Story for another time. Very interesting. Very interesting. But, um, Technical stuff. Well, I uh, I was on my way to getting my pilot's license. That's, I suppose, wow. another story for another time. But I, yeah. I did manage to solo and fly around a bit. Uh, good Brilliant. times. Yeah. I know enough about flying to know that Angel 3-5... It's 35,000 feet, okay. and at that altitude, or that uh, level above ground, you definitely do need a pressurized aircraft, and you need to be wearing oxygen. Yes. I hope the jumpers didn't deploy from that high up. Well, I was going to say, do you know if dogs can survive jumps from that height? <laughs> Look, maybe, maybe it happened within, uh, b- between panels, and the, the plane descended to a more appropriate level. But yeah, yeah, 30, yeah. 35,000 is not healthy. After 10 minutes without oxygen, you would be delirious. Yeah. What if he gets that, you know, landing wrong and he lands on top of junkyard? This is an interesting thing we can research, Chief. They do jump with with uh, canine units. Oh, really? Brilliant. Harnessed to your chest. Yeah, yeah. Dogs are trained in paradrops. It's incredible stuff. But yeah, man, they they really do do that. I like these two pages here where you get the, and I know you're a big fan, it's actually three pages if you count the one before where Mutt and Junkyard are jumping, um, wordless wordless pages. And they can either be flat and not really tell a story, but as always, Gallant seems to be very good at them. And these three pages tell a great story. Oh, it's fantastic, man. It forgives the sins of Pale Peony and Jinx basically talking their way, bantering their way through that combat. I didn't mention it at the time, but it it kind of bugs me when you're having a ninja throwdown and, like, you feel the need to kind of explain your actions. I mean, the the sequential art of Galant is so good, I don't think it needs Harmer to then explain on top of it. No. Like, we get what is happening in the combat. Are they concerned that we'd read the comic too quickly? I mean, that surely wasn't the case with the silent issue. No, no. Yeah, trust the silence more. I, I I wish more authors would lean into that. I know Larry does, and he has on occasion, but every time he does get a little bit too wordy, you almost want to say to the guy, we get you, Larry, we get you. We don't, yeah, you, yeah. you can take your foot off the gas, man. That's it, that's it. I'm excited to see where this rescue operation and hostage put-down um, force is going to go, etc. We'll, we'll see that next week. But the closing... <laughs> page here gives us the reveal of what pale peony and jinx found and when they reveal it it is the head of a blue ninja i don't think that was much of a surprise to me because no isn't that a battle android trooper head oh yeah uh well yeah they even say cobra's upgrading armies of bats to blue ninja levels now you're right because well I, i don't know i guess even though it was mentioned there that they're upgrading to blue bats to blue ninja levels i hadn't given the head a second glance and when she unveiled it it looked to me at first glance like um you know the the blue ninja they just had the one cyclopean eye yes i thought it was that but now now that you mention it on closer inspection 
Are, are we one hundred percent saying that that is a a bat head? Uh, it's a hybrid of the two. I think you know that is the one most damning piece of evidence. I don't doubt that Jinx and Pale Peony found other links between this cyborg or sort of robot factory and Cobra. They must have because the head alone isn't that, but the head is perhaps the most visible, visceral indication that that this is Cobra Tech that has now been enhanced by what they learned from from the blue ninjas right so that that now on reflection that makes it much more of a significant reveal to me because at the time when she's undropped the bag and the heads rolled out i thought oh it's just the head of a blue ninja which is what i would expect to find if they're fighting a cyborg in a revanche facility they probably would find a blue ninja but but the fact okay. that they also i mean in text it's revealed that pale peony has found or was it jinx they both of them have discovered links that cobras created the orders for these these robots right it's been yes, tracked yeah. back to uh, rancho cobra yes the upshot of it is that cobra is working with revanche yes yes i'd assume that they were just effectively ordering fully robotic blue ninjas but you know it's an amalgamation of bats and blue ninjas did you assume always that cobra and revanche would ally themselves no okay good yeah neither did i this this did come as a surprise back then when i first read this and once again it's like huh i'm interested to see how they turned enemies into friends that fast yeah Mm. Yeah, definitely i enjoyed both these issues i think the only thing that didn't sit fully on the level with me was the the whole mass exodus of the pit in reaction to the incidents they were watching on tv it just felt a little bit over the top now i'm not saying that isn't a valid reaction you know if, if it's definitely one of your buddies who's in trouble you're going to want to help out but like you said potentially the lack of professionalism yeah man well it it hawks back to that knee-jerk reaction that they had when stalker's team was interred back in the gulags of oh man i've lost the name but do you remember you know quick kick yeah and, yeah, yeah yeah those guys like everyone wanted to rush in and, and save them but they got the brakes put on them so it just seems yes. like they're a bunch of cowboys man maybe maybe gi joe is so used to immediately reacting in these situations that it is unusual for the brakes to be put on maybe every successful gi joe mission to date has been like a, fo- a like a rapid response and it is the exception to the rule when the jugglers say no you can't yeah, go in yeah they're just used to jumping every time they, they need to jump you know yeah barovia i think it was yeah yeah gi joe is yeah. a well-trained like i don't know guard dog basically they yeah, yeah. <laughs> they don't think before they act they just sink their teeth in that's it that's it um not gonna not gonna yo jo these because I think this storyline obviously still has a few issues to go to play out. But uh, I'll definitely be yo joing it then, and uh, I encourage you to do the same. But uh, interested to see where this is going, definitely. And um, we'll be doing issues one nine five and one nine six on the next episode, so stay tuned for that. Chief, I don't think we're gonna do a toy talk. We are running pretty long on this episode, and I guess I just want you to guess what uh, what it would have been had we chatted about it. Is it not relevant to then do this one next time or not? It would be completely irrelevant next time. It has an appearance in these two issues or one of these two issues, and the only reason I was gonna bring it up at all in a toy talk was because I doubted I could ever get another opportunity to talk about it. So if that gives you any hints. 
you gave me a slight one as we were discussing the issues, I think, and oh. you saying it makes me think it's definitely a vehicle. Or um, the toy, it, uh, the plastic person. No, no, <laughs> it's definitely a vehicle. And all do right, you know right. for sure that it doesn't appear in the next two issues? I am 95% certain. Okay. Yeah. I think you were going to go with the tiger rat. Huh, okay. Uh, no. Wrong. But very good guess. I was going to go with the MCC. What's the MCC? The Mobile Command Center. Right, okay. Cheap plug, it is the most watched G.I. Joeberg review. And I apologize for the audio quality on that video, but uh, because there haven't been too many reviews of the MCC online... Uh, and if anyone wanting, uh, any, if anyone is missing their toy talk this week, I would encourage you to add to our view count. <laughs> Check out the Mobile Command Center by G.I. Joburg. Yeah, nice, nice. I'll do that. I'll do that. Um, well, if we haven't got time for toys, have we got time for colloquialisms? Commonwealth colloquialisms, a.k.a. over egg in the pudding? <laughs> Indeed we do, Chief. Brilliant. We got a pudding. We got a pudding. We're gonna over-egg that pudding Ain't got no criticisms We got some Commonwealth colloquialisms Sandwich time! Okay, mate. In Australia, if I was to refer to a dunny, what do you suppose I'd be talking about? I think you would need either a number one or a number two because you're going to the toilet. (laughs) I need to drop a big Grogan in the Danny. (laughs) I don't know what the origin of Grogan is, but I'm pretty sure you you, you get the implication. Yeah, a Danny is the shithouse and a Grogan is big old turd. Yes, yes. Get us out of the toilet, please, Chief. Um, Well, I had one. I'm not 100% sure if it really is a Commonwealth colloquialism, but I'm going to save it. I'm going to use it, but I'm going to save it till next week because I'm going to use one that you gave me as we started talking in this episode, and that is Bellend. (laughs) Yeah, uh, I don't think anything more needs to be said. I know exactly what that is. Yeah, Bellend is, for those who don't know, the Bellend is the end of a penis. Mm Hmm... There you go. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure it's quite clear as to why. <laughs> yeah. Um, listen, you asked me to take us out of the toilet. I don't think I did. What about you? Are you keeping us in the toilet or not? Yeah, I'm going to try my best. Okay, so the sale of this item has actually been made illegal in South Africa during lockdown. Uh, the Commonwealth colloquialism I'm using, or the South African colloquialism I'm using to describe it, is guai. <sighs> guai. The sale has been made illegal. Correct. Now, I, I'm going to take a stab from a conversation you might have had on a previous episode of G.I. Joburg. I'm going to say tobacco. Yes, very good. Okay. A guai specifically would be a cigarette. Right, that's the only reason, because I think, was it Paul was saying that he was struggling or there was they were having to buy him on the black market, so to speak. Indeed. What a shit show, honestly. Um, It has created a huge black market for cigarettes, and we believe that there is a certain Minister of Health who (laughs) has her fingers in that particular industry. So she's making a nice, tidy uh, lockdown profiteering. Wow, interesting. Wow, what scumbags, huh? Welcome to Africa, baby. Good one. Good colloquialisms. Yeah. 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 
yeah, there'll be more colloquialisms next week. I will use the one that I was going to use this week. It may well be a fail, but we'll find out. Steve, as always, has to get two. He goes double the homework. <laughs> uh, well, you've got more homework than me. You haven't given me any homework this week. Oh, damn it. <sighs> oh, yes, well, you have, kind of. I'll go and watch that Mobile Command Center review. Thank you. There you go. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Um, good stuff, good stuff. There is one more thing we do need to do before we leave the show, and that is we asked you a question. We asked you a question. Listeners responded with really good answers because we asked them a question. Awesome. <laughs> um, the question was in the world of G.I. Joe, what is your favourite hat? Now, I didn't know whether to phrase this as headgear. Because I knew if I put headgear, we'd get a lot of helmets and kind of enclosed helmets. And I think originally I was really after hats. But I left it as hats just to see what the response would be. And we did get a lot of helmet responses. But Indeed. I'm going to give a lot it of a bell ends. this week. I'm not, I'm not going to um, eliminate those answers. Uh, I'm going to accept them this week. Very good. All right. Now, all of a sudden, the people who did list hats when they really wanted to talk about helmets are feeling a little bit butthurt. Oh, damn. <laughs> um again yep uh i was planning to as always do some do some homework and look at all the answers collate them onto a spreadsheet so they're easily to hand which i did not do i i got tied up with other stuff like namely racing slot cars but um le- let's have a look at some of the responses well rob's toy collection is definitely in the diagnostic 80s clan should we say the clan mcleod yep <laughs> um <laughs> Because nice. he likes Snake Eyes version 4's like bright orange goggles. Yeah. yeah. Uh, over the mask with the with the, the sort of the hockey like filter mask in the front. Yep. Yeah. But he also likes Hydro Viper's helmet as well, which is a very monstrous creature from the, the Black Lagoon kind of yeah, it's not particularly practical, but it must look hell of intimidating having these guys rise out of the water. Something that yeah. I wish had happened in G.I. Joe Media, but has yet to. What, what's your, before we, I don't want to divert too much, but what's your preference for headgear? Do you like kind of outlandish, stylish talking point, or do you like more grounded, uh, reality-based headgear? Depends on what era of Steve we're talking about, man. Because when okay. I first started collecting G.I. Joe, a removable helmet was a huge selling point. The Eco Warrior guys were huge. Toxo Viper was big. Astro Viper. Any guy that had a removable helmet. And I'll tell you why. Mass Crusaders working overtime. Oh, right. Fighting crime. Fighting crime. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Strong. Yeah, man. I used to be a singer. Why don't you write any of these jingles? You'd be good at them. <laughs> maybe that's why i don't <laughs> oh deep cut um, burn lockdown downer says flint's beret and that's a very good suggestion because yeah. uh <laughs> what is the first thing flint does when he uh makes a para drop i don't know he probably takes it off does he stashes it he takes it off in the issue we see him take it off in the, the belly of the c-130 and the very first thing he does when his boots on the ground he puts Put it, it on. back on yeah <laughs> exactly oh man great stuff yeah nice nice we also had uh w brown 6664 said dusties and wild bills yeehaw baby big fan of wild bills cowboy hat i like that dusties practical very practical and you know looks pretty cool Legi- it's kind of like a legionnaire style one isn't it 
Wonderful, yeah. Extra points on Dusty for having soft goods integrated so well in the figure. Yeah, that's brilliant. It's just, it's a special, special thing. Dusty's helmet yep. is fantastic. Um, what else we got here? Another another beret, Cavball Customs Falcon's Green Beret. Now, what's the difference mainly between the two? His <laughs> the action figure uh, version, uh, at least Falcon's, has less of a jaunty <laughs> uh, angle. Yeah. I mean, Flint's beret, it looks like it's really just creeping off his head. You know, you shouldn't scrutinize it too closely because it does look slightly ridiculous. Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's about to come off, man. <laughs> uh, Hillbilly Harper. Lady J's hat. That's it, yeah. Yeah, yep. man. You a fan of that? I am a fan of the fact that the detail is is so nicely fleshed out in artworks. Those are definitely jump wings. Um, as, sorry, a U.S. Army um, parachutist's badge on her hat. So, right. which is... I mean, once again, she obviously didn't wear it on the cover of the issue because that thing would just be whipped off. But, you know, in case you were wondering where, where her qualifications were, she wears the hat and you're like, oh, yeah, respect. This chick could yeah. jump out of planes. Yep, yep. Um, Brent Richard SSR says the Sarge. Hmm. Fan of that? Uh, that, uh, what's it called? A smoky hat? I think so, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, cool. It's definitely signature. I don't think any other G.I. Joe has that hat. No. So you know it's the Sarge. Yeah, it looks good on him. A couple of people, including friend of the show, Mate Mylar, and um, who else? Darren Cobb, our resident uh, Aussie. Thanks for the assistance on the colloquialisms, right. buddy. Okay, uh, Yorktown Joe, also Ricondo. Yeah, man. Which is, I like that a lot. That's a good one. The slouch hat is always going to be like a colonial kind of hat, and, and as a result, will forever be reminiscent of the Australian armed forces. So... It's with no surprise that Ricondo was recast as an Aussie SAS member in yes. Battle Action Force. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Makes sense, makes sense. It's a good look. G. Matthew N. says, maybe the one from 88 with Spearhead and Max in the Joeverse, maybe Shockwaves. My man! Yes. Yeah, there you yes, go. Yes, yes, yes. Good, good, good. Another vote. Uh, JoeFan87 says, well, Bill. So a couple of votes for well, Bill. And Phil... Phil, my man, Phil from Canada. Low lights. Uh, he's put TOC. What does that mean? T-O-Q-U-E. Maybe where Phil comes from, that's uh, a knitted beanie. A, a TOC. Okay. Wow. That's yeah. uh, that's Philip Roth's uh, colloquialism right there. That's it. There you go. There you <laughs> Thanks go. for weighing in, pal. <laughs> Look, man, I am so grateful Gary V weighed in <laughs> with... Uh, the driver of the MCC. We were going to crack jokes about this in Toy Talk. We've missed our opportunity. But he wears a... Well, it's a hat, a black hat with the word dog written on it. The theory is that they couldn't get the rights to the name branding of cat, as in caterpillar, yes. as in, you know, earth-moving machines. So they went with dog instead. Ha, ha, ha. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Bjorn from uh, Norway, he said he remembers his dad laughing when he saw that. Nice. Right, yeah, yeah. I know Diagnostic 80, um, Chris from Full Force is a big fan, and he also mentioned um, Steamroller's dog hat and Skymate's pink beauty with a roo on it. I'm just zooming in there. Yeah, that's a, a full-on <laughs> kangaroo oh, across that pink hat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just in case you didn't know he was Australian. I mean, yeah, you're not even going to go deep cut with the slouch hat. You're just going to put a damn kangaroo on a pink trucker cap yeah. okay yeah. okay the only real world example we had was a uh, gi joe on the brain who who actually goes with a real world hat the real american hero gi joe cap interesting choice go. in font but hey man cool cool cap i need more gi joe apparel actually yeah 
Yeah. Damn it. Morgan also agrees with a lot of others when he says Ricondo. Doug says the Cobra sigil works better on the blue hat. Oh, he's talking about the images I posted of the actual real world caps. Maybe it should be talking Joe memorabilia or, or uh, merchandise. We put out these hat <laughs> designs. <laughs> yeah. Doug would sign up for a, a Cobra sigil. Did we get any others on the uh, on the Facebook? Let's have a look. I will say this much about Ricondo, friend of uh, friend of mine, Paul from Plastic Battles. He yes. loves Ricondo as well for the simple reason that with a non-removable helmet, you don't have to gimp the, the the dimensions of the hat. You know, anytime you have removable helmets or hats yeah. on the classic Joes, something has to be compromised. Where it's, you right. know, it's either the hat being slightly oversized or the head be slightly undersized. But with Ricondo's being a glued hat that is not intended to be removed, it's just perfection. It looks so good. Why would you change it? Yeah, Unless you wanted to do a dire story with a you know a hatless Ricondo, but fortunately customs have come to fill that void. You can get replacement heads over on the Facebook. Uh, this was more of the the Facebook was more of the helmet posse over oh here. Oh dear. Uh, we had Mark who has a soft spot for the Hiss Driver V1 helmet. Uh, nice. Yeah, yeah. That's it's pretty so cool. unusual and never repeated. Like yeah. whatever happened to the Hiss tank driver core? Yeah, right. one and done, man. Uh, Michael likes the Viper helmet. It's a classic. Mm-hmm. And uh, Bart uh, likes Wild Weasel, which I'm a big fan of, or Lamprey. Yes. Wow. Someone was posting how amazingly similar the Falcon 9 astronauts' outfits look to the, the Lamprey. Oh, really? And, yeah, there's definitely something there. So, <laughs> in addition to piloting very fast speedboats, <laughs> Lampreys can apparently go to space. That's Who it. knew? Believe it. Fact. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um... There'll be more questions next week. Thanks for the response to everyone, as always. Really good to to get the feedback and just, you know, peek inside what people like. And and pretty much, as always, apart from the question, uh, you know, Boba Fett being everyone's favourite bounty hunter, every time we've asked a question, we've had a really good varied responses, which is, you know, really nice to know that people dig different things from different subjects so keep it going keep it going more questions next week um that is it i'm afraid we are we are out of time we've been the out of time as we're out of time now um we are out of time uh we're we'll be back next we're talking we're, joe and we're we're all out of joe uh, yeah yeah <laughs> we're talking joe and we're all out of joe's all right we'll use that i like it um but you can find us in all the usual places it's talking underscore joe on twitter it's talking joe comics on instagram it's talking joe a gi joe podcast on facebook get involved have some conversations with fellow joe fans um where can the good people find you sir (laughs) um my (laughs) wife is about to bash down the door and i'll tell you why we have reached the final boss on bare knuckle (laughs) three and paused it so she she has not had the access to the laptop in this whole episode she's she's chapping at the bit mate so in terms of the socials uh just find gi joeberg wherever you are social and you will find us and yeah, find it, me and call me out and tell me I don't know what I'm talking about and you should be the next host <laughs> because I'm sorry, Mark. I don't know the new sculpt era, man. I don't know it. Oh, Mark dear. said and called oh, me dear. out on Facebook. Good yeah, man. he did. I Thank saw you. that. Yeah, I yeah. encourage anyone to do that because I learned something new. I did not know yeah. that that version of the IG existed and now you know. Education, that's what it's all about, man. We're educating each other in the in the world of G.I. Joe. That's it. I love it. Love it. Um you can find me on um Chiefy Two Shoes, posting up art pics. I've got some G.I. Joe ones 
based art coming up that I've collected over the years. So I'm just running through a few uh, Judge Dredd images at the moment, but probably coming next week will be the start of a few G.I. Joe based ones. So check those out, please. Actually, when I get the G.I. Joe ones, I'll post them on the Talking Joe site as well. Uh, for those that don't follow me on the personal account and also you can obviously find me on the outer timers the other podcast i do and my other new podcast the sports saloon so um plenty going on in the world of chief i've got slot car racing to do i've got star wars figures to paint i've got oh yeah i've got the family as well forgot about them <laughs> so plenty plenty going on um, chief but... are we still here <laughs> <laughs> yeah we've been we've been the talking joes yeah and we are all out of joe Except for one more, maybe. Maybe. Yo, Yo Joe! Joe. <laughs> <laughs>